0: Use coupon code Radio at checkout to get 10% off and support the podcast. Joining me right now is Eric Uresk, Phuket Top Team Coach. What's going on, Eric?
1: Oh, just relaxing. Just uh, just got done finishing um, some submission grappling for the morning and had a couple private lessons, so I'm just kind of cooling out now. Pretty much done for the rest of the day, so... How
0: is it's life easy. on the island?
1: It's island life, man. It's train, surf, chill out at the beach. It's, it's it's real relaxed, man. Like other than, you know, gym life, a little bit of the beach. Like I spend a lot of my time like drinking coffee, reading, like listening to podcasts and stuff like that. Like but my life's pretty simple, you know.
0: What kind of podcasts are you into?
1: Uh guess like the same podcast every other bjj nerds into like i listen to i listen to a lot of rogan and like a lot of the offshoots of a lot like joey diaz podcast duncan trussell i like uh tom segura i've been listening to a lot of uh, theo vaughn lately uh i like a lot sam harris um listen to a lot of talks from jordan peterson and and uh you know guys like that so
0: Definitely, definitely, those are, some, uh, those are some good podcasts, you know, you gotta yeah. laugh, you gotta laugh, and they're ah, pretty yeah. interesting. Keeps my day going, yeah, my, sure.
1: my, my girlfriend likes it too, so, you know, we just always have something on in the house at the, uh, you know, whenever, uh, throughout the course of the day.
0: Alright, before we get into the coaching stuff, uh, I wanted to talk about your fight career a little bit. Sure. You fought between the years of 2005, and your last fight was in 2014 at, yeah. at Kulun Fight 11. yeah. Are the gloves hung up forever?
1: Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, I'll, I'll,
0: I'll still... Well, let me rephrase that. My MMA gloves
1: are hung up forever. There's a good chance I'll take Muay Thai fights just because I get the itch, you know. Um, I plan on competing in grappling, uh, like, super fights and, and tournaments and stuff uh, pretty heavily this year. Like, I am still, I can still compete with, with uh, the best in the world uh, as far as grappling is concerned. Uh, um, so, but as far as MMA... It takes so much. Like, I only know one way to, to, to prepare for a fight, and it's all-consuming, you know? Uh, and I can't be a successful coach and, and do that at the same time. Like, could I physically fight right now? Yeah, I, I could physically be able to get myself up for a fight right now, no problem, and, 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 and do all right. But, uh, um, yeah, it's just not where I'm at in my life. I just uh, – that 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 ship has sailed, and, uh, you know um, – I'm just in this, in this part of my life right now, you know, uh, I, I get my competitive edge out, um, you know, between the wrestling and grappling training that I do, but, you know, I got to give the time to my fighters right now. And it's, it's only fair, um, that I give them most of my focus. So
0: when was the turning point? Like when you really decided like, Hey, I got to (sighs) stop doing this. Uh, I got to stop cage fighting.
1: I just, uh, just fights kept getting canceled and canceled Mm. and canceled and Uh, man, I've probably lost about seven years total of fighting out of my career to fights canceled. So, you know, in the 10 years or so that I fought, um, seven of those years were fights getting canceled. Uh, like sometimes it was two and a half years in a row of just fights getting canceled over and, you know, opponents pulling out last minute, occasionally I'd get injured, but usually it was just guys pulling out, pulling out, pulling out. And, uh... You know, I trained for a, uh, I was getting ready to fight in, I believe it was Full Metal Dojo. I was going to do a fight here in Bangkok. And uh, yeah, my guy pulled out like three days before and I just like, my soul was just gone. I had thrown so much into it. I I really felt good. Uh, Mentally, I was in a a good place where, you know, I hadn't been in a while. Um, And uh, yeah, I just took it as a sign, like, you know, I just don't know if I could put that much of my life into something and not have it pan out again. And, you know, I was, uh, I don't know. How old was I at the time? Maybe 34, 35, I think I'm 37 now. So it's like, yeah, it just felt like time. I just didn't feel like I had anything else to prove. I was okay with myself um, personally and a lot of the chip on my shoulder was gone. Um, and and I, I needed that chip on my shoulder to, uh, you know, as, as something to drive me to the gym every day. Uh, you know, to, to, to prepare. So I, when I train, I train, like I still train like a maniac. I still train twice a day. Um, but when you're training for a fight, it's different, you know, uh, it just, you know, it was just time. And, uh, and I knew coaching was going to be, uh, I, I knew I had a feeling early on that coaching would be something that, uh, you know, that I was going to end up doing and, 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 uh, you know, end up enjoying quite a bit. So it wasn't that hard
0: in your early years. You were in Vegas. You worked with the likes of Neil Melanson, Randy Couture, yeah. Sean yeah. Tompkins—big, yeah. big names, legends of the sport. How big of an impact did these individuals have on your coaching style? Um, coaching
1: style—the pro- uh, Neil probably had the most impact on me, coaching-wise. Like I still keep keep in touch with Neil, and then Neil, I got to work with him again at Alliance when he came over there for for uh, for, for a, a stint. Uh, Neil had a profound effect on me, he's, uh, we have similar dispositions, uh, personality wise, um, and, uh, I think we're both quite methodical, he's even more, he's got everything like, almost to like the level of autism, the way he has his stuff like, (laughs) like organized, you know, I'm not quite as organized as him, but I think we're both pretty introspective guys, uh, and, and, uh, we both like the violent style of grappling, um, so uh I, I man just stuff that I worked with with Neil when I was you know 25 26 I still you know uh a lot of that stuff held over and then getting to work with him later on as I'd matured a little bit yeah it's a huge influence just Randy had always been my hero up to that point um so it was just getting it was really cool to see uh a lot of times when you meet your heroes it's really disappointing you know but Randy you just see he's just a normal guy you know he's got his his you know, good points and hang ups just like everybody else. And, um, and Sean, uh, you know, Sean was, Sean was influential. Sean, I, I liked Sean. I, I run my sparring sessions a lot the way Sean did. Um, you know, uh, Sean was a great guy, man. Good coach. And, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's just, I was just really blessed to get to work with those guys. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I just got lucky really, you know? Uh, but yeah, it was cool. It was, it was a good time in life for sure.
0: After that time period, you actually went over to Alliance in San Diego yeah. for sure. about four or five years around that time, right? Yeah, about um, four about, years. About yep. that t- amount of time. And uh, you were the wrestling and grappling coach. Actively competing. Yeah, that kind of happened by default. <laughs> you were by default. Um, you are just pushed into it? Uh, it was weird, man. So
1: I had was on a break between Vegas, and so a lot of times I'd spend my summers... Uh, uh, bouncing and, in, in, in clubs in the Hamptons, uh, just to make money mm-hmm. so I could go, you know, go back out again and focus on training. And, uh, I was just not doing much. Like I didn't have any plans to go back to Vegas at the time and just things in my personal life were a mess. And, uh, I kind of got a call. I got a call from a friend of mine that I, uh, he was coach. He used to coach Joe Stevenson and he ran Joe Stevenson's camp when Joe Stevenson fought BJ Penn for the title. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so he remembered me somehow and said, "Hey, B.J. Penn needs a training partner for the Frankie Edgar rematch, and uh, and yeah, you might have to train with Dominic Cruz a little bit too. Are you interested?" I was like, "Fuck yeah! Like I, I've got nothing going on, you know." Uh, more, I was excited to train with B.J. You know, I really didn't give a shit about training with Dominic at the time. Um, uh, so I packed my bags, I got the, the soonest flight I could, headed out to San Diego. Got picked up. My coach's wife, uh, Eric Del Fiero's wife, picked me up at the airport. And, uh, I didn't really understand what was going on. I just was going to train. You know what I mean? I wasn't going to be anybody's training partner, like, even though that was the agreement. I guess. like, I was going to train. And, uh, showed up, and, uh, I believe Dominic was getting ready for the first Scott Jurgensen fight, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, yeah, he had just won the title from Bowles, I think. Uh, WEC uh, days. I think it was Brian Bowles. Yeah, WEC days still. Uh, so I show up at the gym, um, And, yeah, I help help him a little bit, but I'm more interested in just getting the work in, you know, kind of getting, you know, things going back on track training-wise. And, uh, yeah, I just really like the style. I guess Eric saw an ability of me to, uh, you know, to transfer over what I had. And that role was usually filled by one of the fighters on the team who felt kind of strong in that area. Um, So, yeah, I just kind of fell into a coaching role um, there as as a – you know – coaching by kind of running the workouts and, 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 you know, helping guys with stuff. But, you know, you're still, still a fighter. You know what I mean? You're just kind of running the wrestling workouts. So like a lot of times now, like Phil Davis will run a lot of the workouts there and, and, uh, or Dominic Cruz or somebody with a wrestling background in will will kind of run the wrestling workouts now. Um, and yeah, and I, and I did a lot of the grappling stuff there as well. Uh, you know, for a couple of years and it was awesome. Uh, you know, Eric, um, probably been my biggest uh my biggest influence overall uh coaching wise i think he just doesn't get enough credit uh he's a brilliant strategist so like you know uh striking wise he understands distance range and stuff very very well um and then you know on the grappling aspect he knows he's not the most knowledgeable grappler so he kind of fills in those holes with other coaches but he kind of puts everything together and game plans you know uh better than anybody uh, i've seen and uh his psychological approach to the game is really strong, and uh, it's kind of encouraged me to really delve into that uh, personally and, and with my fighters as well.
0: Yeah, I want to get into the psychology of the of coaching, but before that, sure. that was the beginning of you actively competing and coaching at the same time at a high level. Yeah, yeah. How difficult was that balancing act? Not hard. While
1: I was at Alliance, I never lost a fight. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and, and you know. You know, uh, I felt great there. Um, I, you know, Alliance. When I had that good, strong team around me, I, I did. I, um, I felt great. The only time I ever underperformed in my career was when I was coaching myself and not at a good camp. You know, not at a camp, just kind of running around. You know, kind of running camps with guys, uh, guys around me, with no, no, no coach of my own. You know, uh, I think you can't run the whole show by yourself and compete well. Uh, At least I can't. You can do, yeah, run one or two workouts a week. That's not that hard. You know, you're still going to get coached and told what to do and uh, I I don't think it's ever a good idea to be your own head coach.
0: Definitely, definitely not a good idea, right? No,
1: it's hard, man. It's hard. Human nature is to always take the easier, softer way, even if you're a hard worker. Like, I work my ass off, you know what I mean? But I can always work harder if somebody's telling me to work that much harder. You know, like I've, I remember, like, I always laugh about this memory. Like, I was driving home. We went. We used to go travel up to King's uh, uh, Rain when Rain was a, a gym still, uh, go up and work out with Munoz's guys. And I remember being on the way back uh, to San Diego uh, from LA and just, like, saying, Yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm pretty sore. I think I'm going to take the, the morning off. And Del Fiero just laughed in my face. He's like, No, you're not. You live at the gym. You got one job. You're going to be, you know, get up and show up to training in the morning as Yes, sir. You know, like still to this day, like if if I'm talking to Del Fiero and he tells me to do something, I just do it. You know, like it's like, you know, it's, we've been separated for a long time, but he's my my sensei still. I still look at him as like my sensei. So like, you know, within reason, I still listen to the guy and, and have that respect for him. You know, and I think it's important that fighters, no fighter should be above their coach. Man, I think that's that's a recipe for disaster.
0: So Eric. Aaron- Fierro, he, you said that he was your biggest influence so yeah it's safe to say that you honed your coaching skills while at alliance then
1: yeah eric um man he made me get my passport because he couldn't go with joey Beltran to ufc brazil mm-hmm. um so, like i never left the country till then really like other than like walking across the border to mexico you know um so yeah brazil was the first time i actually really left america on a flight and uh because I had to go corner Joey Beltran, you know, and he he just, whatever, he saw that I, I could see things, you know, when rounds are going on, and I understood, um, I, I understand MMA, I understand how to put things together, uh, and, 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 you know, uh, how the different arts transition and mesh into one another, and, and, you know, just the rhythm of a fight, and what a fighter needs to do, and what adjustments need to be made in a fight, and uh, he started kind of nurturing that, because, you know, Uh, it's a big fight team and he can't be at every fight, you know? So I think, you know, by default, he had to start nurturing some of the guys into whoever he saw and maybe had some some potential to do that stuff as far as a corner goes. So uh, yeah, man, cornering fights and, and I enjoy it. I like the strategy of it. And that's the way my mind works Uh, probably to my detriment as a fighter, but as a coach, it works really, really well.
0: It seems like you still have a pretty good relationship with the Lions, because a lot of the Lions guys go to Phuket Top Team and train yeah. throughout the year, right?
1: Yeah, yeah great, great relationship. I, I never like to leave a, I mean, it would never be bad blood, you know what I mean? It wasn't me, I was just trying to get fights. I couldn't get fights in Southern California. It's it's so hard to get fights, and especially when you come from a good gym. A lot of guys duck getting fights from guys from good gyms, and uh you know, uh, yeah, it just it was a, just a move to kind of open things up in my career. Like, I was never really leaving Alliance because I didn't like the training there or anything like that. Um, it's far from it, you know. Yeah, we still have a great relationship. You know, uh, You know, I'll still hit Eric up for advice, and he'll hit me up and ask me what I thought of a fight sometimes. And, you know, we just compare notes. I'll go coach there for, like, a few weeks out of the year when I get holiday time, you know, to kind of take off, go back to the States. I usually go to San Diego and just – I like being around the gym, so I never take off off. When I take a holiday, I'm just going to go train and coach somewhere else <laughs> for a little while, get a little different look. I, I really don't take much time off. I don't enjoy it, so, um, you know, I just go get a little change of scenery.
0: Well, you're doing what you love, so, you know, you got to yeah, keep yeah. doing it. Exactly, yeah. No now complaints. you're at PTT. Can you talk yep. about the evolution of you becoming the head coach? Yeah, sure. So.
1: I came there originally to uh, to fight and, like, run the wrestling program, uh, but it was more teaching classes and stuff like that. And uh, uh, I didn't really like, personally, the way the training structure was set up. So I started doing my own workouts, and, like, they, they didn't have any drill sessions at the time. And I'm, like, coming from Alliance, man, we drill, like, almost every day. You know, like, in the evening, I had to get my own drill sessions in. And guys just started following the approach that I was doing, um, and uh, so I was like, yeah, you know, I need workout partners. So guys just started coming in when I was going into the gym. And then obviously we had our scheduled sparring times. And uh, yeah, it's just, that's what I always gravitate. I just seem to gravitate towards, uh, I do my own thing. Guys follow along cool. They start looking to me for advice and, you know, and to coach a little bit. And I guess I kind of fill that role naturally. Um, so I leave, Phuket after one year, I do my year contract and I'm like, I had enough of this. Like,
0: um, but really I was in a
1: bad place personally, mentally. Like I I just like, wasn't really happy. And it, it was a lot of like personal work that I had to do. Um, and, uh, and I started working on that when I left and I realized it wasn't the location. It was me, you know, uh, and, and parts of me that I wasn't happy with. So as I started to fix that, when I came back, I just kind of, fell into the coaching role again I came back just to train um, after about eight months of being away and somehow or another and then I just started to embrace it like cool man I'll be the head coach and uh, and once I officially retired um, yeah then it was an actual job and then yeah it just started everything just started to take shape and I started to get guys were following me and, and um, you know since then I mean this year we've had three major titles. That's the year. It's July, you know. So since up to June, we we've won three major titles here. Uh, that's uh, hasn't. It's just now, I think, been two. Not even two years yet as as full time head coach. So uh, things are going well, man.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, your team is growing. You have yeah. fighters from all over the world. The coaching philosophy that you try to embed into your fighters. What mm. are some of the, those? Those. <sighs>
1: I'd say as a, as a philosophy, um, I like to let every fighter be their own fighter. So I don't try to, to conform anybody to a style. I try to see what a guy does well and uh, and help him maximize that, fill in the gaps as needed and help him be the best martial art he can be. Not everybody's going to fight the way I like to fight, um, and, and nor should they, right? It's a body type, personality, all those things play a role, physical gifts. Uh, the biggest thing is... I, as character development. So I I really encourage guys to challenge their fears. And when so, the way somebody trains and fights is going to show you a ton about who they are as a person, right? Uh, where their fears come in. Does a guy fight strong until the guy starts fighting back? Is a guy a bully and doesn't handle being bullied very well? Uh, all these things w- will come out to play. And I'll pick up on it in training and I'll call people out on it. Um, and if... Some people can't handle it and I'm probably not the coach for them, you know, um, and that's fine. You know, it's, it's, you got to find a coach that you can work with. But I want guys to, to really get down and work on their weaknesses, both, both, you know, and it's very hard to not work on the, the full thing. Like your whole, your life as a whole, I feel like at some point in time, if your personal life is a wreck, it's going to catch up with you and it's going to manifest itself in the cage, you know. Um, getting comfortable in that chaos, sorting out through your ego and, and, and ego reduction and all that stuff. I'm real big on that. Um, because I, I personally, like my professional fighting career for the talent and ability I had was a failure. Um, I was very, very skilled, very good, We'd fucking crushed people in the gym. Um, and then. A lot of times, just didn't show up on on uh, on fight night, or didn't you know, didn't take the risks that I needed to take because my ego was just too massive, you know, um, and uh, it wasn't for lack of talent or ability, you know, that's for sure. It was, a lot of it was the risks I didn't take because I wanted to be sure about things. And the thing about fighting is there is no, no surety, you know what I mean? There's no sure thing. Might look good on paper, you still got to show up and fight. That's why you actually have to have the fight, right? So. Uh, so I really try to save my guys from the mistakes that I make. Do not let your ego hinder you from uh, being vulnerable in training, being vulnerable in the fight, and, and then work through that shit. Work through it. You're either going to win or you're going to lose. We, we don't know, right? We're going to give you the best shot you can, but you've got to be willing to take risks.
0: you got different personalities that you have to handle, and these yeah. fighters have to handle wins and losses, their egos. How much yeah. psychology you know the the power of words goes into coaching
1: tons man tons i used to have a very hard and i still people will tell you i have a hard-nosed way of coaching but i've learned you can't be in people's face all the time man some people i mean a lot of these people start fighting because their fucking dads beat them up or or whatever you know um so a lot of these guys look to you like a father figure You, you gotta know when to soften up a little bit and uh You know, reach people on that level, and it's my job to find out how to communicate to certain people. Everybody responds to certain things. Some guys like being ridiculed, you know, like like they like sarcasm and they like that shit. Some guys break from sarcasm, you know, and so I gotta really kind of have my feelers out um, when I'm decide I'm gonna work with a guy, um, and uh, and figure what's the best way to coach this guy. Sometimes I gotta ask him, how do you like to be communicated to? You know what I mean? Sometimes I ask him that and, and I, I figure out that he likes that way of being communicated to, but that's not the best way I'm going to get results out of him. So, like, you know, it's it's a yeah, it's a chess match. It's a constant chess match, dude. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a you know, even you know, they always say it's a game of inches, but even coaching also like you have to almost say the perfect thing at the perfect time to a lot of these fighters to get them to yes do. and no
1: you know sometimes uh, i like i think you're right but i also give my guys the room to mm-hmm. I, I give my guys the room to grow I'm like hey man look i'm a human being i'm fallible you know um like sometimes like and, and eric told me this a long time ago he, he had a, a pretty high profile fight and uh the guy wanted perfect advice mm-hmm. to sort through the fight and what Eric, what Eric saw was the way to beat this guy is is it's not going to be a technical thing. You got to bite down on your mouthpiece and go after this guy. And the guy didn't want to do that. You know what I mean? He wanted a step by step, like do this technique and this, and that wasn't going to win him the fight. And, and Eric knew that. And 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 the fighter didn't trust in him. Mm. And so he just kept you know doing what he was doing. And and so sometimes it's not so much the perfect set of words. You know what I mean? It, it's sometimes. All this stuff starts way ahead of time, right? The trust has to be developed, like, over the course of camp. And, you know, if I'm calling, if I'm shouting directions in a, in a sparring round and you're not following them, you don't trust me. How do I know you don't trust me? Well, if you trusted me, you'd do what I told you to do, right? You might think that you trust me, but you don't. Your fear outweighs the trust you have in what I'm telling you to do or asking you to do at the time. So I think it's, it's really about developing trust and then... As you go into the fight, you hope this guy trusts you. And sometimes I might put you in the fire because that's where you got to go to win. And you, I'm, you might get knocked out because I told you to go in the fire. That doesn't mean what I saw wasn't there or I told you to do the wrong thing. You know, you take risks and sometimes they pan out. There's, like I said, there's, there's no sure things in fighting. So uh, sometimes, yeah, man. And, and then that fighter still, I mean, should they not trust me because I sent them in the fire and they got knocked out? that's up to them you know um and then you got to reassess things after that i suppose uh but yeah there's all types of risks and sometimes they don't pan out you know but i think trust is the the major thing i got to build trust in this guy that what i'm telling him uh, or her is is the best thing i think uh the best route for victory
0: when fighters come in are you very selective of who you will coach or do you accept everybody well we'll let most people in the
1: room um sometimes i i'll have a guy his manager called boyd the owner and sent him over and the guy's just not a good fit he trains like a dick you know he's hurting people or yeah just do it just not a good just a vibe we're not gonna we're not gonna go well together too much ego and um i'll just tell him yeah just probably go train at one of the other gyms around here or, or go back home you know um but we'll let most people in the room as long as they're, you know, physically capable and or I feel like they're going to add something to the room. And then there's a level of, am I going to coach this guy or not, or guy or girl? Um, and that really goes up to the level of investment they're willing to put in. So, you know, I have guys like Vitaly Big Dash. He's, you know, a one championship superstar. So I work with Vitaly. And then, you know, I have like Ramona, who's got a couple of fights. You know. Um, I like working with Ramona a lot and it's not because she's like superstar status. Cause she's really not, she's got a handful of fights, but, um, it's the work that she puts in, like how much work she puts in on the mental side. And I see the effort she puts in and you know, how much it fucking destroyed her when her knee got you know blown out or whatever happened to her knee. Like Becca was shattered. Like she was putting every ounce of her being into camp. And I was like, kind of heartbreaking, you know, but it was also cool to see how the team, like, rallied around her, like, through that injury, and, and, uh, that was, it was pretty incredible to see, like, sort of that, uh, you know, the brotherhood and sisterhood that kind of develops, uh, amongst the teammates, so, um, yeah, it's, it's more, what, what are these people going to put into it, you know, how, I'm willing to go pretty far, like, I'm pretty intense, how far are you willing to go, Mm -hmm. and, and that'll determine if I'm going to work with you or not, really.
0: Is there any unknown up-and-comers training at PTT that we should look out for in the future?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, first and foremost, I got, I guess, be like my protege, uh, Ben Royal. Uh, mm-hmm. He just fought at Eternal over the weekend. His second pro fight absolutely just destroyed his opponent. Uh, he's a grappler by trade, put on a Muay Thai striking clinic and then mm-hmm. closed the show uh, in the beginning of the second round. Very cool, calm and collected. Uh, very cerebral. Um, assesses his strengths and weaknesses very well and honest. You know, uh, he doesn't delude himself about anything. Uh, <coughs> such a humble guy. Will never like to talk about himself. Like his his uh, his humility. He's his, his, like I I, I I admire his humility. You know, I wish I could be like that. Um, he's seldom looking for the spotlight. He just wants to go out there and. and and beat people up when it's time to do that and, and develop as a martial artist and works on his mental approach. And, uh, yeah, I'm just overly impressed with that kid. Um, so he, he, in my opinion, is, is UFC-bound um, at some point in time. Uh, and then uh, we have Ali al uh He's fighting for the uh, I think it's the Brave title soon um, out of the Middle East. A very talented guy, uh, has a nasty guillotine, can put people away. Um, good finishing ability with the submissions. So uh, got some tough guys. Got a bunch of guys that just got contracts to the One Warrior Series. So um, about three guys that got contracts to the One Warrior Series. That's upcoming. So hopefully in the coming months, uh, they'll be stepping on that stage and and trying to get themselves some contracts. Uh, You know, and then the usual cast of of guys that are already established that just come out for camps. So
0: One last question before I let you go. You're a coach, nutritionist, legendary bouncer i've heard what is something that most people do not know you are knowledgeable at
1: Ooh, well i was a, so uh prior to uh getting involved in martial arts i was uh i, was a, I guess a, a, a criminal pretty much you know i was a pretty much a a uh yeah, I was going to be a lifelong criminal. That was my goal at 15 years old. It was, you know, street stuff. Grew up in New York in the 90s, and, you know, I, I knew how to hustle. And, and I, uh, I used to set up fake drug deals and then rob the drug dealers when they got there. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a pretty crazy time. But, yeah, it's uh, that, was like, that was my life. That's what I wanted to do when I was a kid, you know. I was just going to be a street guy and, and, and take that as far as I could. And luckily uh, – <laughs> Something intervened and that didn't happen, and uh, you know, found a little bit better path in life. But uh, yeah, I just, I, you know, it was that—that was—that's all I knew was that for a long time. It's just just hustling and grinding and getting over and, and, and cutting corners wherever you could, and and uh, just not being a very good person and uh, <laughs> overall. But you know, gl- luckily, I found martial arts and wrestling, and that kind of took me off that path and and gave me uh, you know a way to be a little bit more useful to society. So um, I have some, some crazy stories I'll share with you another time. if yeah. you <laughs> Definitely uh, interested. <laughs> yeah, sure.
0: Um, yeah, thank you for your time. Uh, if you are in Phuket, go to Phuket Top Team, and you'll see Eric there Absolutely. coaching all the classes. And have fun with him. You know, thank yeah. you, man. Thank you, brother.